Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs, and I'd like to formally welcome you to today's Wednesday episode of The Dudes, where we try it again. You see, Joe spent the uh, the entire course of the weekend, Friday through Monday, up at my house in Delaware, and then flew home, and we tried to record Wednesday's podcast last night, just before the Hard Knocks episode aired. Unfortunately, there were some technical difficulties, which usually happens when we break our routine of anything. And the recording uh, provided 30 minutes of me talking to myself with no input from Joe's microphone due to a processing error. So instead of you guys trying to interpret a conversation between me and my and me and Joe with no audio from Joe, we figured it would probably just be favorable to hit reboot. And that's exactly what we're going to do. You're going to have 20 minutes of me talking to myself approximately and in lieu of dead air spaces where Joe would be talking, we'll be covering a lot of the same points, uh, some breaking news instances, some injuries. Uh, we're going to be talking about the draft networks top 25 poll that released on Tuesday. And, uh, I'll be showing some of the differences between my personal poll and that, that group poll that did come out. So we got some good stuff to talk about. I do want to start with some breaking news. Uh, We do have uh, a number of injuries that are frustrating. Uh, If you're looking throughout uh, the landscape of the NFL right now in training camp, uh, a couple broken fingers to deal with, uh, most specifically Rashad Penny and Devontae Parker of the Miami Dolphins. Parker's a frustrating one, and this was something Joe asked me about when we initially recorded today's show, because it seems like every single year there is some occurrence with Devontae Parker that prevents him from finally taking that next step. He shows you just enough glimpses of what he can be for you to get really excited about that potential. But at the end of the day, Parker always finds a way to slip through the cracks, and, um, you know, for the first couple of years he was in the league, this was a coaching staff that dogged him about professionalism and conditioning and uh, that conditioning kind of turned, turned its head when it came time to, to stay healthy and be in training camp and be ready for the start of the season, some hamstring issues. And, uh, by a lot of accounts, it seems like he had improved in this regard. And now finally, you know, he seems like he's ready mentally and physically. He has a, a tough break that's going to send him back a couple weeks. And now the big test for Parker is continuing to keep up with his conditioning and uh, making sure that he is physically primed and ready to go. As far as Sony Michelle, I'm sorry, Rashad Penny, uh, Sony Michelle on the mind because we have uh, this landscape of running backs that went early with Darius Geis with the ACL. And now Penny with a broken finger. And uh, it, it hasn't been a great start for running backs. Uh, so if I'm Saquon Barkley who tweaked his hamstring or carry on Johnson over in Detroit, like 
I'm keeping my head on a swivel because somebody in the football gods is uh, swinging on these rookie running backs, and it's uh, it's unfortunate. And anytime you're transitioning into the league, you know, for a vast majority of these guys, it's a difficult transition to begin with. Let alone now having several weeks where it's going to set you out, and you're going to have to you know, heal your body and. Uh, somewhere Jarvis Landry's probably shaking a fist, right? Broken finger. It's not going to keep me out of practice. Um, but that bit on the Browns, and speaking of hard knocks, and, and Cleveland is just giving us endless content right now, courtesy of hard knocks and otherwise. I did want to take a moment and talk about how Hugh Jackson just continues to kind of rub the wrong way is you continue to watch him. And one of the predominant things that I took away from on last night's episode was he calls Corey Coleman into his office and Corey comes in and he's clearly upset. And Corey says, why am I running with the twos? And Hugh Jackson's response is go ask Todd, ask Todd as an offensive coordinator, Todd Haley, why you're running with the twos. And uh, that response really kind of rubbed me the wrong way because if I'm if I'm a player and I come to you as the head coach and you know I want to talk to you whether it's you know supervisor to employee or man to man or or whatever the dynamic of that is having you defer the responsibility and that conversation to somebody else instead of being able to talk about it and relate to your players and you know, make them feel better about their their situation is not a good look it's really not and um Hughes also going on the record stating you know Baker Mayfield will get absolutely zero reps with the ones Tyrod 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 however you pronounce this guy's first name we've had some audio clippings that are starting to get pulled from the internet from uh, the last several years of of different pronunciations of Taylor's uh, first name. So this might be like the new, like, um, sound test. You know, you read his name out loud and hear what people say, because there's at least three different iterations of it. Now, uh, the Laurel or Yanny thing, this is the uh, Tyrod Taylor's name is the new Laurel or Yanny. seems like he's, he's going on record stating that the Taylor is the first string quarterback. Baker will get no reps with the first team. And it's silly. You know, that that just feels like it's avoiding the pressure of the outside world and not wanting to cave to the demands or, or the interests because you're not sure that you or your team or your players can handle that controversy, that perceived controversy in the media versus it would absolutely be beneficial to give Baker Mayfield some reps uh, with the ones, but it, it seems like it's something that you know, Coach Jackson is adamant on not doing, and Hard Knocks has not been a good look for him. No, I feel for him as a man and as a person. Obviously, he's endured a lot of loss as of late, but um, his leadership skills and ability to manage a room and, and work with a coaching staff, nobody's on the same page here. And uh, if I'm a Cleveland fan, I'm frustrated by that, because it shouldn't have to have been like this, right? You know, Hugh very easily could have been cut loose just like Sashi Brown. You guys could have started blank with John Dorsey, head coach, candidate of their choice. And uh, it, it seems like it's, it's really going to stunt 
the early portion of this year, and who knows what long-term ramifications that may have for the Browns. As we slide past the breaking news and the hard knocks reaction from another episode and our weekly, our apparent uh, weekly uh, bashing of Hugh Jackson, one thing that I did want to take some time and do is talk with you guys about the Draft Network's top 25 preseason poll. It came out, and we're very happy with it, by and large. I'm not thrilled with some things, but that's okay. We're going to work through them together. Me and the team, we're going to sit down, have a talk, get some things straight. This is the Draft Network's preseason top 25 poll. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Wisconsin are one through four. We got the fright four teams. We got them in the wrong order. But we'll talk about that in just a moment. Rounding out the top 10 is Ohio State, Washington, Oklahoma, Miami, Auburn, and Michigan State. 10 through 15 is Penn State, Stanford, Mississippi State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. 16 through 20 is USC, Florida State, TCU, West Virginia, and Central Florida. 21 through 25 is Texas, LSU, Boise State, Virginia Tech, and South Carolina. I can tell you from our recording last night, Joe's sleeper is South Carolina. He thinks this team has the ability to bump up 10-plus spots when it's all said and done. And if you address their schedule, they've got a tough game against Georgia, and they've got a tough game against Clemson. Those two football games aside, South Carolina's schedule is very favorable. And I can also tell you that Joe's overrated team is number 24, Virginia Tech. Uh, This team did lose quite a bit of talent. They lost, whether it's deserved or not, two first-round players defensively. they lost Cam Phillips, who was, was their leading receiver last year. So there's there's some change. Tim Settle declared early and left. Uh, there will be some change in Virginia Tech. Adonis Alexander's gone. Greg Stroman's gone. A uh, lot of turnover. But this Bud Foster defense it remains to be seen whether or not they'll be able to get these new pieces aligned and ready for the start of the season. If I like look through this list, and I'm looking for overrated, underrated, Michigan at 14, to me, is underrated. This team has an exciting quarterback in Shea Patterson coming in, who uh, by all accounts is leading the quarterback competition, which will allow Michigan to spread the field, use uh, Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones, space the field a little bit more. they got a couple athletic tight ends there. Get some more space for Karan Higdon and Chris Evans to run the football. They got some big, strong bodies up front. So offensively, I think this is going to be a vastly improved football team this year. Uh, The other team that's grossly underrated in my approximation is Texas. Texas has some explosive playmakers. They play stout defense. They're one of only three or four teams in the conference that plays any defense. They have experience regardless who they pick at quarterback that's coming back. They have experience at starter. Tom Herman's been there. He's got some even more of his recruits in there. I think that's really big for Texas in a team, in a, in a conference in the Big 12 that has Oklahoma coming off losing the Heisman Trophy winner, that has West Virginia as one of the favorites in the conference that gave up uh, the most points allowed per game defensively that they've allowed in the last five years. Uh, I think those two teams are kind of the general consensus leading of the pack of the Big 12. Texas can push these teams. And, um, I think Texas at 21 is uh, is a bit disrespectful, and it's funny. You know, I said this to Joe 
uh, last night in the pre-show before we tried to record today's show. Last year, Michigan and Texas were teams that I poked fun of for being rated as high as they were to start the year. Texas hosted Maryland and gave up a 50-burger. And Michigan played some of the worst offensive football I saw all year last year. But I think the rankings on those teams were just one year ahead of schedule. And I'm really excited about both of those teams. If I'm looking for an overrated team, I'm looking at USC at number 16. This offensive line was not particularly good last year. And I know that they've got a really talented runner in Stephen Carr. But they lost Deontay Burnett, their leading receiver. They lost Sam Darnold, top five pick in the NFL draft. Uh, They have some injuries, some dings on defense. And while Porter Gustin uh, being the predominant one that that is uh, reportedly going to be back in two to four weeks, and that's a a much more favorable report than what initially had come out when he had his knee injury, uh, you look at some of the other key playmakers defensively, and uh, Iman Marshall took a big step back last year. so So he's coming in to approve it year. And uh, Cameron Smith is a very cerebral player. I'm not sure what his functional athleticism is from a talent perspective. I think for at the college level, he'll be fine. But uh, he does play in a conference that's going to put you out in space and stress you a lot. So USC's got a lot of prove it uh, in their, their 2018 season. And I'm not sure that I'm buying just quite yet as it relates to USC. So my personal team, my personal top 25, as I said, had Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Wisconsin in it with one key difference. I had Clemson rated number one, not Alabama. When you have schools like Alabama and they graduate a ton of players, they don't restock. They just reload. Alabama is going to be extremely good. Nick Saban is going to guarantee you of that. But you look at Clemson. They're bringing back both of their predominant contributors at the running back position. They're bringing back Mitch Hyatt. Uh, They did lose Taylor Hearn, an offensive guard, but they're bringing back an experienced starter in Kelly Bryan, a superbly talented five-star quarterback in Trevor Lawrence to compete with him. Uh, Their other losses were Deion Kane, Ray Ray Armstrong, and uh, Dorian O'Daniel. The Clemson, who was selected number 100 in the 2018 NFL Draft. That was the highest Clemson player selected. Defensively, they're bringing a ton back. They're bringing back this entire defensive line. I feel more comfortable with what Clemson is bringing back, knowing who they are, than I currently do Alabama, even though I expect Alabama to be extremely good. So for my personal poll, I did have Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Wisconsin as my top four. Ohio State was my five. The thought process here being, we don't exactly know what's going on with the investigation surrounding Urban Meyer. If the dust settles with the Ohio State coaching situation and it's business as usual, yeah, I'd probably flip the coin again and see if I don't get Ohio State above Wisconsin because their their explosive talent is more notable than that of Wisconsin. But Wisconsin, man, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast a number of times, but this this team is talented. They have talent everywhere. If they had half of the other starting quarterbacks in the Big Ten, I think this is a team that would be a shoe into the Big Ten championship game and a favorite in the Big Ten championship game to play in the college football playoff. And even with Alex Hornibrook at quarterback, that is still something that I'm I'm currently kind of shaded towards. So that 
top spot for the Big Ten is an interesting conversation, but it's uh, it's something that has some uncertainty to it, and that's why I went with the team that has a little bit more stability. I know Wednesday shows are typically scout versus scout, and uh, unfortunately with Joe not being here, uh, it's going to be a little difficult for me to debate Joe on a topic. What we did debate uh, in the original recording was who were our current favorites to be the number one pick in the 2019 NFL draft. Taken into consideration where that for that were things such as schedules, talent, death charts, opportunity for injury, divisions that they play in, and opportunities to uh, sneak a couple wins out in their schedule. Uh, based on the other teams that are going to be in the runnings for that. We also discussed a potential dark horse, uh, but those are things we're going to leave on the back burner because we want to circle back to, we want to make sure you guys have that conversation. So today's scout versus scout is I'm going to be taking an opinion of one Todd McShay. And I want to be completely frank here. I like the player in question here. A lot. I think he's a very good quarterback. But Todd McShay recently released his preseason top 32 draft prospects as of like earlier today recently. And there were two quarterbacks that were listed inside the top 25. 23rd is a Big Ten player, player I know extremely well. I've watched a lot of. And that's Iowa's Nathan Stanley. Nate Stanley is currently a first-round Listed player on Todd McShay's preseason big board. It's interesting. Um, McShay references with good size, tremendous arm strength, and the ability to move well in the pocket. The six foot four, two hundred forty pounder emerged after being handed the keys last season. The accuracy outplay outpaces the completion percentage, but ball placement and timing will need to improve. Stanley's spot here is a bet on ceiling. I don't disagree with anything that McShay said about Nate Stanley. I absolutely agree. The accuracy is better than the completion percentage was. Um, I think Stanley's performance last year, uh, he was asked to make a lot of difficult throws. He was asked to make some throws into tight coverage. And there were too many times that Stanley refused to take the easy completion. And that's my predominant area of improvement for Stanley entering this year. So I want to see more willingness to take the easy completion, take the shorter yardage. Don't try to push the ball with so much emphasis that you're, you're really putting ball security in danger to do so. Now, Stanley did not have any issues with ball security last year with a 26 to six touchdown interception ratio, but uh, I, I want to see him keeping this offense in less uh, second and third and long situations. Uh, make sure that they are able to stay true to their offense, which is they, they traditionally have been a team that likes to run the football. And uh, it's, it's perfectly fair to a- expect them to continue to do that. But if they get into a lot of second and third and longs, they will get away from that. So Stanley, for me, easy completions, My exception with what McShay has here is I think this is pretty rich. And I know everybody right now is looking for a quarterback to kind of hitch their wagon to and kind of say this this is 
This is a player that can fill the void that currently sits at the top of the quarterback class. And I think Nathan Stanley has a fair amount of upside. Uh, I like him. But I'm not especially sold that Nate Stanley has the arm talent ceiling to be a top 32 player. If you're betting on Nate Stanley doing that and becoming a top 32 player, then you're betting on him playing Ohio State 2017, which was the game of his life, week in and week out. And we just did not see anywhere near that area of performance with the exception of that game from Nate Stanley. So uh, it's intriguing. And I love that McShay has brought another name to the table here. And it is a name that I think is being slept on. I would feel confident with Stanley with what I watched last year and with my notations on him probably as a day two quarterback. Uh, I think there's some starting upside there, uh, but I don't think he has the goods necessarily to be a uh, first round quarterback prospect regardless of the situation with the draft class. And that is going to be our substitute, Scout versus Scout, on Wednesday. And that is also going to do it for me here on The Draft Dudes, uh, our emergency filler podcast on Wednesday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Joe will be back tomorrow, and we have our next Draft Network Super Show coming on Friday, which we're very excited about. We had a blast the first time we did that. We kindly uh, invite you to come back and join us again. It will be hosted on Draft Dudes this week. We're alternating uh, between Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes for hosting the Super Show. So this Friday Super Show you can find right here. So if you want to hear Trevor, John, Joe, and myself talk and shop, you got to hit that subscribe button and follow along. I'm Kyle Krabs at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.